Welcome to the Anne Arundel County Police Department. What you are about to hear are real stories told by some of the men and women who live through them. Join us as we examine active, closed, and sometimes cold cases with an occasional look behind the badge. Our mission is to be informative and engaging with the goal of providing justice and just maybe closure to our victims and their families. I'm Chris Anderson, and this is The Crime Journal. Hey, I'd like to welcome everyone to the show. I'm your host, Chris Anderson, and you're listening to The Crime Journal. As this episode begins, I just want to remind our listeners that this is an open and ongoing investigation. Detectives are still seeking information and following up on leads. If you or anyone you know has information that can help us solve this case, please call the Anne Arundel County Police Department tip line at 410-222-4700. The leaves have already started to change at that time of the year. It's the middle of October 2018. It's a Thursday. Two longtime friends enjoy a manicure at a local nail salon. Friends spending time together just doing those things that friends do. When their girl's day is over, 45-year-old Melanie Melanie gets dropped off at her home at the Chesapeake Glen Apartments in Glen Burnie. She walks inside. Later that night, one last text to her friend before bed. Love you. Night-night. On Friday, a message from Melanie's friend to start the day. Good morning, beautiful. The cooler weather is here. But there's no immediate response. Such strange behavior for Melanie. Hours later, a reply. A simple emoji. It was most unexpected. So out of the ordinary. It would be her last. On Saturday, October 13th, Melanie Melanie would be reported as missing. Tuesday, almost three months after the partial remains of Melanie Mullaney were found on the shores of Marley Creek and Glen Burnie, detectives with state police, DNR canines, and divers from Anne Arundel County Fire returned to the scene. Police say they have been to this area several times since the initial discovery by a person walking their dog. We went out uh, shortly after the discovery of the human remains back in October. We're out for uh, almost a week out there using resources, state resources and local resources, uh, searching both the land, the shoreline, and, and the water areas. Neighbors in her neighborhood who did not want to go on camera told 11 News that they remember several vigils in the parking lot there while she was missing. Throughout the investigation, police have executed a number of search warrants. We're also told several pieces of evidence have been recovered for forensic analysis. As far as suspects or what may have happened, police say everything is on the table. We're not ruling anything out. We're looking at any, anything that could have led to uh, her going missing, to her disappearance. Uh, anything suspicious. And Anne Arundel County Police say they are looking for all the help they can get on this case. If you have any information, you're asked to call 410-222-4700 or you can call Metro Crime Stoppers. At the Anne Arundel County Northern Precinct tonight, I'm Lowell Melser, WBAL, TV 11 News. Welcome to the show. I am joined today by Detective Jason DePietro. How are you, Chris? I'm doing good. How are you today? I'm all right. All right. We got uh, quite a Quite a story to tell today, and also with us is the current Director of Media Relations, Lieutenant Jackie Davis. I'm happy to be back. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, I'm glad you could make it. And just to let Chris, if I could interject here, uh, those who didn't catch the last podcast, Detective Davis, uh, sorry, Lieutenant Davis, she's been Correct. promoted a few times, 
uh, used to be my side partner at Homicide back in the day. So uh, Many, many moons ago. She has been here a while. Many she, sleepless yes. nights yes. staring at you. Today, let's let's get into the story of Melanie Melanie. It's uh, it's an interesting case. Um, I, I had a chance to to look at some of the background on it, um, but I definitely want to get your perspective and and talk a little about a little bit about the direction um, that the department was able to go with it, um, and and how we were limited by it because this is this is unusual in the fact that it is not a homicide cold case. It is a missing persons cold case as currently listed by the department. So, and, and we'll get into some of that a, a little bit later in the conversation. But initially, how did we uh, get this information on, on Melanie? Yes, uh, Chris, on October 13, 2018, uh, the police department got a uh, call for service uh, in the 8,000 block of Green Orchard Road in Glenburnie, reference to a missing person complaint. When officers got there, the missing person's son, Ryan, um, advised that he last saw his mom, Melanie, on October 11th, 2018, at about 2 p.m. in front of her apartment complex. Um, at that time, they were exchanging car keys because there was some car movement going on, and that's the last time he ever saw her. Uh, so a, a missing person investigation was initiated from there because she literally just, at that time, dis disappeared off the face of the earth. Now, let me ask you this because there is some kind of misconception when it comes to missing persons reporting. There's no wait time, correct? If, if somebody in my family or a loved one goes missing, there's not this, you they have to be missing for 48 hours to make a report or any of that kind of stuff, correct? Correct. That's a something you see on TV a lot. Um, and some states may require that. Maryland is not one of them. We always encourage people. Everyone knows their loved one's behavior is better than we do. So if something strange happens and they go missing, call us right away because losing days, hours sometimes can make the difference in a case, whether it gets resolved or not. Yeah, and I think in this case, it wasn't, that that wasn't the case. It was just something where it wasn't brought to Ryan's attention until that day. Oh, hey, I haven't heard from your mom. Can you go, you know, check on her? You know, it, it's unusual that we haven't heard from her. Can you go check on her? And then when he realized, hey, she's not here, and, and that's when he initiated the report. It wasn't that, oh, hey, I'm going to wait the 48 or 72 hour minimum where I have to wait. It was just one of those things where he wasn't aware, but when he was made aware, he said, Hey, I'm going to call um, 911 and, and go ahead and get that ball rolling. Yeah. So Ryan did the absolute right thing. When he discovered that something didn't seem right, he, he contacted the police. So were there persons or a person who had contact with Melanie in between the time that her son uh, last saw her and the time that she was reported in between, I guess that was the 11th and the 13th. Was there any time frame where somebody had contact with Melanie uh, in, in between those times? Yes, we, uh, the police did identify people that had, had contact with her. Um, and one of the most important things on a missing person investigation is we form a timeline of when last someone saw the person when they last communicated with them. And um, we basically form a timeline and go from there to try to figure out what happened to the person. Okay. And in, in some of the findings that I read, and, and I don't know how much we can speak on it, but there was actually grainy, I guess, surveillance video, if that's what you want to call it. I don't, I don't know if it's recorded or deleted or, or, or what happens with that information, but she was seen going into her apartment building, and that was the end. That they, they, they never saw her come back out. Correct. She, she entered her apartment, and then, again, it's very grainy. We believe it to be her, and that's the last time she was actually ever seen. Wow. So walk us through from the time that her son calls 911 and says, hey, I think I need to file this missing persons report on my mama. I haven't seen her. Nobody's really heard from her. Uh, 
up until now, what does that look like as far as the police department? What do we do after that report is taken and they're entered as missing? So whenever someone's reported missing, they go into a national database as missing. So if police run, if you're missing and you get pulled over in North Carolina and the police run your name, it's going to say, hey, this person's missing from Maryland to make sure you're okay. In this case, that was done. She was entered into what's called NCIC. And um, missing person detectives at the time formed a timeline of when she was last seen, when she last communicated with people, uh, video surveillance. And through that, um, that's how they were able to obtain the uh, the video of who we believe to be her walking into the apartment. Um, I will say that on October 23rd, 2018, the case kind of took an unexpected turn um, when the police got called to uh, the side of a river for a recovered uh, human part. When you say a recovered human part, can we, I guess, discuss, I guess it was a woman or a family walking their dog. They came upon this uh, unexplained um, piece of evidence I can assume that's what we would refer to it as, is a piece of evidence. They contact us and we go out and what what do we see? What do we find? So there was a young lady walking her dog. She found what she believed to be um, part of a human. Uh, she contacted the police. Police got there. Ultimately, the medical examiner's office comes out to the scene and they viewed it and determined it to be human. Um, and at that point, the, uh, the recovered uh, human remains were taken up to... Um, the Office of Chief Medical Examiner for the state of Maryland up in Baltimore. And with recovered human remains, was there anything that I guess we could say was immediately evident, say, hey, this belongs to X person, or, or was there none of that information to, to say who, who it belonged to? Or can we talk about that? We, we, we could touch on it. Some of it I, I can't discuss only because it's an ongoing investigation, but... Um, Based upon the condition that the, the human remains were found, uh, we suspected the foul play, we the police department, and we had uh, DNA analysis done, which uh, ultimately compared it to Melanie's known DNA profile, and it, it matched. It, it, it was her. So now you said that the condition that, that this body part or parts were in led you guys to believe that this was foul play. Why is this still considered a long-term missing case and not something more nefarious? So in Maryland, the medical examiner's office determines cause and manner of death. Because of this circumstance and the, uh, the remains that were found, they are not able to do that, uh, medically speaking. So although she's still technically characterized as a missing person, we, are, we the Anne Arundel County Police Department, are treating it as a homicide investigation because we do believe that she was killed. So the, the medical examiner, I guess, is, is saying, the science is saying that just because we found this piece, this piece doesn't ultimately mean that this person is deceased or no longer with us because I guess their, their rationale is that if someone lost this piece, they could still be living. You're, oh, and, and I'm yep, just making correct. assumptions. Yep. They broke it down perfectly, yes. Okay. But we are still investigating this as a homicide, we feel that something malicious did happen to Melanie. Correct. Okay. So where does that lead, leave our investigation now? What's, what did you guys do after, after this? So obviously during an investigation, it's kind of a two pronged approach. You have human remains that are recovered in a water area. So what do the police do? We want to search the water area. 
So with our allied partners, both federal and local and state, uh, we conducted extensive searches of the waterway um, using cadaver dogs, using sonar, using uh, torpedo sonar, using boats, using um, divers. And we roughly estimating um, underwater-wise, we that immediate area, we searched roughly about six acres of underwater water, which is is a lot. Now, and if I can interject just one little bit, because actually a good amount of our, our listeners are not from Anne Arundel County. Anne Arundel County is right on the Chesapeake Bay, and we actually have hundreds and hundreds of miles of shoreline on creeks and rivers that come off of that bay. So when you're talking about searching water, you're not talking about searching a retaining pond or a small creek off of you know, a bigger river, you're talking about searching waterways that are directly related to the world-renowned Chesapeake Bay. Correct. And now add in this little uh, factor is that with the Chesapeake Bay comes to currents, uh, you know, high tides, low tides. So one of the things we did in this case is, of course, reach out to the uh, Coast Guard, who are fortunately near us, um, and to basically say, look, this is when she was last seen. This is when a part was found. Can you, assuming that this is where the part's found, take into account tides and all that? Can you try to kind of narrow down an area that we really need to focus on? Um, so that's one of the things we did, and that's ultimately what led to the extensive searches of the waterway that we did. So this wasn't just a blind search. There was actually some science behind where you guys were, were searching for, I'm assuming, additional parts? Yes. Okay. Now, searching, does that mean dive teams? Does that mean water level? Is it a sonar? How are you guys searching these huge waterways? So it's it's all of that. Um, cadaver dogs, which for those of you who don't know, cadaver dogs are trained to detect the scent of deceased humans. They're specifically trained with that. We were fortunate that we have a lot of uh, our civilian partners with Chesapeake Water Rescue and whatnot helped us out. They basically put a dog on the bow of the boat and they drive the dog around and the dog is smelling Wow. And through that water, through the water. Yep. And if it alerts on the presence of a possible human, then we will clear that dog out of the area, bring in another dog to verify it. And if that dog at second dog and sometimes the third dog alerts, um, then we really, really focus in on that area to try to find, you know, what what is causing the dogs to alert. Yeah, we're talking about uh, Cloudy water, murky water. Um, Brackish water. There's salt in this Mar- water, Marley too. Creek. It's not fresh. We're, we're talking about Marley Creek. Yeah. And we'll, we'll throw a big dictionary word out there, turbidity. Like you can't stand on the bow of a boat and look straight down and see the bottom. Correct. In fact, our divers, um, they couldn't see like a foot in front of their face. It's wow. so it's so murky. And then on top of that, uh, you have a lot of catfish. You have a lot of fish that will, you know, swim past you, makes it even harder so literally, not only are they looking in the water, but they're feeling on the on the bottom of the water trying to see if they can find something as well. So really, a lot of them were blind, basically going by uh, the feel of hand, which is also why we brought in sonar. Um, uh, Department of Natural Resources were very instrumental in that, and we also did sonar searches. Uh, we did all that. And, you know, um, it being classified as a missing person, but then also being investigated as a homicide because of theories, beliefs. Um, we, we talk about a lot, the expected persons in these cases, you know, you go to lovers, ex-lovers, ex-boyfriends, you know, family members, you know, you go through the whole, you know, love, lust, greed, 
um, those that that checklist were, and can we talk about persons of interest that were, I guess, uh, mentioned and then excluded um, based on you know any of those factors that you know you the the homicide detectives normally look at in in all of these investigations. So yes, we always start on something like this. You smart small work out. Um, you know, boyfriends, husbands, wives. Start to the people that are start closest close. to yes. your victim. Start right? close to those and then work your way out. And in this case, without getting, I have to be careful what I say, there have uh, there has been an individual uh, who has not been cooperative with the investigation um, that uh, we believe has additional information that can assist us in finding her. Um, but as of today, he, he has not done so. Now, when you say a, a person of interest, it doesn't necessarily mean that they did it. They just might have information that could lead you in the right the right direction. Or Correct. is that okay? So there is a at least a witness that you feel may have more information to help you guys. Yes. When you did those waterway searches, I assume since you didn't mention it that they all came up um, empty, that you didn't find anything pertinent. Well, we. That pertaining to this case, no, we did end up um, recovering a stolen car, which had been submerged for roughly oh, 10 wow. years out of uh, stolen out of Baltimore County. We also recovered another car that was also stolen. And then we did recover bones. Um, so whenever we do these large scale searches, we have a uh, anthropologist on standby with us. So basically, as we're recovering the bones, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't know the difference between a seagull bone, human bone, pig bone, Um we're taking the bones to this person saying, hey, we just found this. And they're like, that's a seagull bone. That's a pig bone. That's a cow bone. That's a deer bone. So it's able to help eliminate the type of bones that we're recovering very quickly. Now, the fact that you were able to recover two stolen vehicles in this waterway just goes to show how impossible it is to see through that water, that you don't know what you're boating over. And I'm assuming since it is brackish water, it's quite corrosive as well. Yes. In fact, the one car was actually an SUV that we recovered. The only way we found it was not because the divers came upon it. It was because of sonar. Saw something that resembled a car. And then we uh, really focused in on that area, recovered the car. Turned out it had nothing to do with this case, but um, it was it was a stolen car. That mm -hmm. Otherwise, without the sonar, I don't think we would have found it. Now, maybe explain to people who aren't who are listening but aren't familiar, why would a car be interesting, interesting to you as an investigator when you're looking for a person? What, did your, what jump did your mind make there? Everyone likes to watch TV, and when you commit a crime in a car, uh, what's the one thing that happens in the movies all the time? They want to get, get rid, rid of, of it. And one of the choices sometimes people do is let's find water, drive into it, and uh, they'll never find it. And in this case, um, again, it was, it was a stolen car from years prior, uh, you know, it just the police never found it only because, I mean, they weren't, you know, without the age of sonar, we never would have found it. And so we've had conversations with family, friends. Was there any sort of evidence that led you in a certain direction and then it just went completely cold and you're just like, she, she just plainly disappeared? Like no contact with family, no contact with friends, no zero bank activity, no money, no transactions. Like she is just gone. Yes, she literally just stopped to exist one day. Um, no one saw her. There was no activity on any of her financial records. Uh, the places she would be known to associate with, places she'd hang out, no one had seen her. Um, interviewed with family and friends, no one, no one has seen her. She, she just again fell off the face of the earth. And you know, during the course of this investigation, I could say this: we have done a lot of search warrants for different things. 
uh, residences, um, vehicles, electronic records. Um, and so far, we have been unable to locate her, uh, but we're going to keep trying. And with so many of these missing persons cases, like the the family remains very hopeful that that something will will bring an end to to this story. Like you know, unexplained or explained, like something is going to eventually provide them with the answers that they've been looking for since October of 2018. Yes, we're hoping that when people hear this, maybe they were out doing something around that time frame and they saw something strange if they were in that area of Glen Burnie, that, hey, you know, I always thought that was weird, but I kind of dismissed it. I don't want to get involved. Well, now's the time to give us a call um, and just give us that little tidbit because that could, that could help us find her. And do they need to call you directly, or is, is how, how do they get a hold of you? If they call 410-222-4700, uh, they can give us a call at that number, and they can remain anonymous if they decide to. Um, and um, just whatever whatever they may have heard or saw, we encourage everyone to give us a call if they've heard anything. Now, just to ease anybody's um, maybe stomach ache to call you with a tip, if somebody calls and says, hey, I think John or Jane Doe did this, that doesn't mean you're going to go out and arrest them immediately, right? No, we would not do that. If if someone calls in and says, little Johnny did it or little, little Jane did it, um, we obviously take that information, we process it, we evaluate it with our known facts of the case, and we move accordingly. And I know a lot of people are afraid to come forward to law enforcement. Um, so just know you can remain anonymous. We just need that, that little tip to get us pointed in the right direction. And then it's your job to either refute or corroborate the evidence that was given to you or the tip that was given to you, rather. Yes. You've been doing this for 15, 17 years as a homicide detective. Can you talk a little bit about the differences in the surviving family and loved ones to a homicide versus the surviving loved ones to a missing person? Because even the open homicide cases, they know what happened to their loved one. Whereas these missing, long-term missing families, they're left with that not knowing what happened and still clinging, I would imagine, I know I would be clinging to some type of hope that a miracle is going to happen. How is that for you when you talk to these families and emotionally for, for you? So when someone is a homicide and someone's uh, you know deceased and obviously they've been a victim of a homicide, obviously the families take that very hard, but at least they know what happened and they have someone to bury. Uh, in this case with Melanie's case, we believe she was a victim of a homicide. I will say that. Um, that's what the evidence is indicating at this point, which is why we're reaching out to your viewers to see if someone could give us a call to help us. But Melanie's family has had a very hard time with this. Um, they and Understandably they, so. They, want, yeah. they understand that the chances of Melanie being alive are slim to none. We hope for the best, but we prepare for the worst, as I say. And they expect someday that one day I will call them or stop by and say, hey, uh, we found her, um, and she very well may be deceased. And they understand that. And that's just imagine you believe your loved one is deceased and they're killed violently, but you don't, you can't bury them. You can't give them, you can't lay them to rest properly. So we're hoping to find Melanie. She's out there. Um, and we're hoping that someone will step to the plate, do the right thing. And again, they can remain anonymous and, uh, you know, again, we are offering, the Anaheim County Police Department is offering a $10,000 reward for information leading to the recovery of Melanie and the arrest and conviction of the person or people responsible. 
And we're just hoping someone steps up to the plate and does the right thing. I can't imagine not knowing what happened to my loved one and, and not being able to have a grave site to visit and um, the absolute anguish. That's that's anguishing. Knowing and not knowing. Yeah. And in Ryan's case, very well one, one day he might have to bury his mom. It's not supposed to work that way. You know, um, it's, it's you know, Melanie's mom's still alive and, and you know, she's 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 tough but she's you know it's hard yeah i think um i think that covers it uh, uh if anyone has any information on the whereabouts of melanie melanie you can call 410-222-4700 uh detective DePietro, lieutenant davis i appreciate your being here today and discussing this one with me and uh i look forward to the next one Hopefully we can get some answers. Thank you for your time, Chris. Days turn into weeks, then on into months, and eventually over into years. So many questions still unanswered. What happened to her? Why did it happen? Where did she go? What we do know is that she is a friend that no longer does those things that friends so often do. She is a mother missed and loved by her children and grandchildren. Her name is Melanie Melanie. We'd like to take a moment to thank our friends over at WBAL-TV 11 News for their help in making this episode possible, and to thank our listeners for joining us. Cases like these are often solved with help from the community. Once again, if you or anyone you know has information that can help us solve this case, please call the Anne Arundel County Police tip line at 410-222-4700. I'm Chris Anderson, and you've been listening to The Crime Journal.